listeners, you're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week, we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We're your hosts, Sam Collier and Sarah Cho. Uh, and for this week's episode, we read play the play Between Riverside and Crazy by Stephen Ellie Girgis. Um, it's a play about an ex-cop and recent widower, Walter Pops Washington, who struggles to hold on to one of the last great rent-stabilized apartments on Riverside Drive. He must also contend with old wounds, new house guests, and a final ultimatum. Uh, it was written with such humor, tenderness, grit, and wonderment. Uh, it is an extraordinary new play about a man trying to maintain control as the world unravels around him. It was a critical hit when it premiered off-Broadway, and the play was awarded the 2015 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. And that's what we do around here on this show is <laughs> we read Pulitzer Prize plays. <laughs> we just go, we're just crossing off the list. We we got into the late 20, the 2020, and then I'm 2019 or whatever. Now we're down to 2015. Do you think we should go back and read like the plays that won the Pulitzer in like 1945? Just to change it up a little bit. I mean, we could go that far back. Um, but I think there'll be a lot of problems. <laughs> All right. We'll discuss it some other time. Stay yes. tuned, folks. Um, so, yeah. So, so Stephen Adley Gerges obviously has written a lot of plays. Um, I have only ever seen a reading of one of his other plays, which is The Motherfucker with the Hat. Um, I haven't read anything else. What about you, Sarah? This is my first play of cool. Stephen. All right. Yeah. So um, he, yeah, so he's also written uh, Jesus Hopped the A-Train, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. Um, and he's a former co-artistic director of Labyrinth Theater Company. Um, he's won a bunch of awards, including, as previously stated, the 2015 Pulitzer Prize. So let's just jump into our first impressions of this play. So I'm going to coin a term here if it hasn't Whoa. been coined yet. And I'm going to call this play a dysfunctional trauma comedy. <laughs> and I'm going to call it that. <laughs> and what does that mean to you? Well, this play really... Uh, there was, first of all, so much of the comedy, there was like this layer of like the the comedy, you're laughing at the lines and the, the reaction and stuff, but the characters themselves, they're all like, I feel like they were just all going through something mm. traumatic and then that's like developing this functional relationship amongst all of them. And so I'm going to coin the term dysfunctional trauma comedy. I love it. <laughs> And and I feel like because of that, because we're able to see what each of them is going through, we're, we feel compassion for all of them, mm-hmm. even though they're in such conflict. Um, like you can see where everyone is coming from, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was um, clear to me, especially those scenes, like we have Walter or Pops the center Mm -hmm. and his relationship with each one of these characters um, with junior junior's girlfriend, Lulu 
and I guess Junior's friend, Oswaldo. Mm-hmm. And and I thought it was funny or interesting how they all call him dad or, you know, like yeah. they all – he's like – he's he's definitely a biological father to Junior and then his relationship with Lulu, which is basically his son's girlfriend. She calls him pop or dad too. Like he's a, she's sort of like the center of this – family that's kind of not really all biological family you know mm-hmm. um and a layer of that is like oswaldo how he feels about um pops but then like his own bio his relationship with his father is like dysfunctional like he doesn't really have a good relationship with his father so it's almost like he's dependent on pops in some way yeah yeah, Pops is like the hub, kind mm-hmm. of, and all these characters are rotating around him. Yeah. Uh, or revolving around him. Mm-hmm. Um, In the beginning, you're kind of like thinking, oh, so like, oh, the way it's read, if you didn't know this play, you weren't reading the description, you're like, Oswaldo, is this his dad? But like you find out he's right. not his dad, and it's Junior that comes in and like, oh, there's like a whole other relationship dynamic. Every time a character came in, it was like, another dynamic of this these relationships a map of relationships yeah i really like that how first you see pops and oswaldo and you're like okay they're the father son and you find out that's actually not right and then lulu comes in and she keeps calling him dad and you're like oh she's his daughter and then then he's like why is she calling me dad and you're like (laughs) oh okay that's not right either right that was kind of delightful yeah and I think that's where the com- that's the comedy, like this twist and turns of like surprises that you mm-hmm. didn't expect, like that catches you off surprise. Um, so you're kind of laughing at this absurdity. Yeah, it was a very funny play. There's so much comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so were were that your first overall impressions of the play? Yeah, I think. Um... I agree. I, I noticed how everyone has some kind of trauma right away, and I really like the character of Pops. I found him really funny, and um, I don't know, just the wit in this play is so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, definitely. And then I, I started thinking about um, all the things that are like kind of missing. So like the wife slash mother who died in january i think um Mm -hmm. how like there's a wheelchair her wheelchair is still there even though it's summer and she's gone um her absence is so apparent and feels like such an important presence Mm. in the room and then they keep talking about this dog like go walk the dog or this dog is uh, I don't know, codependent or whatever, but you never see the dog. Um, so I thought it was really interesting how there were these, um, I don't know, like the, both the mom and the dog were like somehow people kept talking about them and or they were really important, but you never, they were never present on stage. Hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so I guess we'll just like, 
already started, but like what we noticed, what popped for us, um, definitely the father son relationships and like pops in the center. Um, Lulu's pregnancy also popped for me. Yes. Um, Lulu, she's pregnant and creates this like disruption in the relationship with Junior. Um, and then it just made me kind of want to know about like, okay, well, this pregnancy, like watching how it on kind of like pushed that relationship, like kind of um, escalate in a way. Um, mm hmm. And another thing for me I was wondering about or popped for me was like kind of just like juniors. Um, there's something a mystery about him. Like we I don't think there was a really clear or like understanding like why his like he felt he always felt so distant from everybody in some yeah. way. Like he like going to Baltimore or, you know, he's like wanting um, some dim distance from Lulu and like doesn't want pregnant. Like it was kind of like in a sad way of like um, we know that he just got off parole and so or gone on parole. Um, and so he has like this history with the law. And then so. But like. He just yeah, he just just like he just felt like a one of like a very sad character to me. Yeah. How old do you think he is? Do we ever hear? Hmm. I don't think so. But I feel like he just read a little older. Like, yeah. Well, he's because he spent yeah. some time in jail. Yeah. Um. And he's like clearly doing some kind of trade with this, like all these, um, I don't know, electronics out of his bedroom or something. He's selling things mm -hmm. secondhand. Um. But. I don't know. Yeah, so I just had the sense of like maybe mid twenties. Mm. I think older than that. Mm. Yeah, I was like thinking, yeah, like twenties, thirties. Um. Yeah, because I guess his father seems pretty old. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. maybe maybe older than that. Mm hmm. Um, and yeah, there's just something about his character, Junior's character, where it's like he, it's like there's no sense of he can't really move forward or something in his mm, life. Yeah, and I, there's just something about that and his relationship with his father. The father, he's kind of stuck in the, from moving forward too. You know, for so it's like if the father's kind of stuck here and Junior's sort of wanting, like having to take care of his dad, so he's right. kind of trapped in that. And Lulu can't really, you know, the pregnancy is like this idea, like, oh, we're moving forward in our relationship. She even mentioned that in the, you know, like, when the character says, like, are you guys married or engaged? Like, well, no, but we're like, we talk about our future, you know? Right. There's a sense of, like, she can't really move forward. He can't really move forward. And because maybe pops can't move forward. They're just, they just all sort of stuck in their mm -hmm. circumstance. You mentioned the pregnancy, and I, I love how – it's like ambiguous. Mm. Um, I mean, she says she's pregnant and then Pop starts talking about it. She talks about it with Junior. And then this church lady, who's like a fake church lady, we find out. But she's like, oh, she's not pregnant. And then that like calls into question the whole thing. Like, was she ever pregnant? Did she get an abortion? Um, 
Hmm. I just found that fascinating. I was wondering. Yeah. Like, what is what is he doing with that that she um, says she's pregnant and turns out she's not pregnant? Mm-hmm. Or, like, is the church lady lying in that moment and then later she does get an abortion? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it feels that part feels unclear to me. Um, another thing that I mean notice was the um the two cops. It's like Lieutenant, um, mm-hmm. was it? Yeah, Detective O'Connor and mm-hmm. Lieutenant Caro, which both are like engaged. Yeah. <laughs> um, and O'Connor's like <laughs> again another like seeing. Pops as like a father figure, where he's like, "I want you to walk me down that aisle," you know. Like, right, I want you right, to walk. right. Um, so it's like this, it is just so funny how everyone how they view Pops. Um, yeah. But then through these two cops, these two officers, uh, we learn. This is like no. This is this is like really good plot device of like we learn why Pops is in his current situation of like he's sort of in his home. Um, he got shot and there's like this whole I guess like a litigation or something going on between the city (laughs) and him Um, so there's this whole like lawsuit going on outside of this home like outside of this family Um, which I felt like really escalated Mm -hmm. the the tension even more Mm -hmm. yeah because they want him to sign in um, they just want him to settle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what do you make of that, that everyone sees him as this father figure, like even his co-worker, <laughs> former mm. co-worker, see him as this father. Like everyone's coming to him yeah. with these expectations of what he's yeah. going to be for them or what he'll do for them. Yeah. And he... It seems to me like he's really uncomfortable with that. He doesn't I mm-hmm. mean like he's not inviting that. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So when I was reading this play, the thing that came to my mind a lot was um it really made me think about the kids and the the youth that I've you know, worked with and interacted with and had classes with them and kids inside the juvenile halls. Mm. And a lot of the writings and just, like, a common theme, just, like, this is just, I don't want to regeneralize or oversimplify this, but just something I've just noticed amongst these youth is, like, um, two things that common themes I find in their writings and the things that they talk about is, like, want to be a good dad because they Mm. don't have a dad. Um, or, you know, some of them are already parents. And so they're like, I want to be a good dad for my kid when I'm out of here. You know, there's something that, which made me really think about, um, like class in a way like this, cause this place, the setting is like this one of the only, what is it like rent controlled apartments mm-hmm. and they could only fo- like this. They're about to get kicked out of this home. And then like what a father represents is like a provider, right? Or that's just sort of the, the 
the idea that we've come up with, like a father provides, a dad is there, you know, to uh, be that head of the household. Mm -hmm. And so when Pops, he's not like fully functioning because he's obviously we know that he's going through some like a trauma he's going he's grieving his wife passed away like he's alone and it's like there's because of that there's this instability that everyone who mm. sees him as pop and then that they're unstable because he's unstable and there's something there i was like it made mm -hmm. me a lot think about connecting with just families in general like you know what does like an absent of a parent mean? How does that, you know, to mm -hmm. a, a family when like, oh, a mom has to like take care of everybody or a single parent or, um, and especially if you're coming from a low income family, like, you know, yeah, one that's so income, true. relying on one income versus two, you know, it's like, so just that was kind of made me think bigger, like broadly that way of just what does that mean? when the family is just struggling <laughs> with yeah. when there's no sense of stability. That he's been really kind of thrown off balance by mm -hmm. this loss. And then that throws everyone else off balance too, because they're used to him being like the hub somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of, in the play that just kind of, so I just recognized, um, with those kids inside mm -hmm. the juvenile halls and just like, like I saw a lot of that in junior, you know, I'm like, you know, what is junior returning to, mm -hmm. you know, um, from imprisonment to this, another kind of like dysfunctional prison in a way like that where he can't move forward or can't, there's no way for him to um, find comfort yet, you know, he's like, but he's like feeling the responsibility on his shoulders right. to take care. So it's, so there's just like the, that layer of father son relationship that we don't really see mm -hmm. that I, that the play was sort of playing around with, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. Yeah. And then there's also the ring. I really like that the ring was introduced mm -hmm. early in the play and came back at the end. Um, and I was so fascinated by that scene where he, you know, he's like in the hospital bed at home and they're trying to get him to sign this settlement and he's like ready to sign. And then he's like, but I also want your ring. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's tie. this engagement and ring. Tie. <laughs> and tie. Well, yeah, then, the, then there's the tie. But the tie feels like just an afterthought, like because – now he clearly has that power. He's just going to rub yeah. it in their faces. But I don't know. There's something about like him taking this $30,000 ring mm -hmm. that he's just going to give away. Yeah. Which, okay, that threw me off in terms of like where like my – I don't want – I'm not saying I'm rewriting this play or anything. But <laughs> I was like thinking like he was going to – like, okay, like he – there's the check. The ring he's going to give to his son. Right. and then the tie I thought he was going to give to Oswaldo like go get yourself a job kid uh -huh. you know? like I really thought there was like if, you, if the setting up was like father provider slash thing like I kind of was like expecting like this is his last right. um, hurrah or like this is his last way, like last 
moment of being a provider before he goes. Like, because he's on his deathbed. You're like, think he's going to die. Right. Um, well, look at what he says. It's the last line of the play. Because he's giving the ring to the church lady. And she's like, there weren't any orphans. I just made that up to steal from you. And he says, well, there are orphans somewhere. Mm. It's like, I mean, it's very resonant on one hand. Because, like, he is, um, it seems, trying yeah. to, you know, help the next generation. But on the other hand, like he says there are orphans somewhere as if he doesn't have these young people depending on him. <laughs> like, right there. Giving it to the church lady who lied. Like right. how can, you don't, tr- I don't trust that church lady. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so like, because I'm like, cause I don't know her, her intentions was, it was just so weird and skewed and just all messed up throughout the play so i'm like you're giving this expensive ring to that one person you probably shouldn't give right i don't know that was like though i mean that's that's why i'm calling it dysfunctional like this is so dysfunctional yeah 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 but it it, on like just the the dramaturgical level of like tracking a magical object as Sherry Kramer would call it, mm. that's that was very satisfying to me. That yeah. there's this ring that is imbued with all this emotional power and like financial value early in the play, and then it comes mm. back at the very end. Um, I liked that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where do you think he goes? Um, yeah, well, yeah, he's like traveling. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only mention of other places was like Baltimore, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if he's going that direction, because um, I don't know if Junior and Bal- like Junior and Pops has some history or relationship with Baltimore. Um, I like to think he went out west to California. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. It does kind of feel like by him leaving he's breaking free of that um, feeling of being stuck that you were mm. talking about earlier. Like he, it, by him leaving somehow he can set himself free and everybody else free too. Like they're no longer yeah. trapped in this cycle. Mm-hmm. Or not cycle, like, but just kind yeah. of stagnation. Yeah. Right. But then you also have this like this Godot moment waiting for Godot moment with those three Kids are just kind of like in the waiting for him to be back. back. <laughs> when do you think he'll come back? I don't know. Right, <laughs> right. So you like leave. So and and then I think because that was like a flashback or that moment at the end. So the kids mm-hmm. are like, you know, he's been gone for six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he died. I think he did. died. He left, and I think he died somewhere. Yeah, and like they're the orphans, and he the last one mm-hmm. plays their orphan somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's very poignant. Oof. Um, but yeah, just before we move on to kind of like last questions and stuff, but uh, the church lady, yeah, she that her character was like, like just, yeah, I can't even describe it. like out of this world kind of like really weird and really naughty <laughs> well, and it just it turns out yeah she's just a scammer yeah 
I know that scene was so, it felt like it was a scene from another play. Like it, the tone was different and. Yeah. It was like, it got dark really fast. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was a really interesting scene. And it was only a scene where it was like, it was just Pops and her and there were none of the Mm -hmm. other characters from the rest of the play. And so maybe it, it was a good way to show us another window onto his character Mm -hmm. because he wasn't around anyone he knew or his family members. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I just like how this is impossible. This is medically impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So last minute um, or, or like last questions and curiosities that come up for you. Um, I, what am I curious about? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, so this was written in like 2014, I guess, if it, or 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously before Donald Trump became president, there's even a reference to Donald Trump. I'm just like, my biggest question is like, mm-hmm. how would the past six years have changed this story? You know, it just, mm. it just feels like a, and it, it, I mean, it feels like it's older than six years old. It feels like it's yeah, from another time. Mm. Doesn't it just seem like, I don't know, like the Trump years were like a decade. And everything <laughs> from before that it it feels really dated. A whole, another, whole other time. Um, I think for me, this play felt a little relevant for me because only because the themes that it was all circling is just something that LA as, as a whole have been going through this last couple of years, three, four mm-hmm. years in terms of like homelessness, evictions, um, like the rise and like people leaving and just like you like walking down Venice Beach, you see encampments and, you know, people screaming and it's just like chaos and, um, mm-hmm like really mentally disturbed people who really need help. You know, like there's just something, I, and then there's just something about that. And I was like, I, this play made me think like, this was like, this play showing me like before you go homeless. Like, I don't know. It's just like, there's kind of this any ounce mm. of like normalcy before you go there. Like you, before you lose everything, you know, and there's just like that, that I don't know why, but there, it just like, all these emotions. So does it seem like it's like there would be a whole other play after this? Like this is kind of the beginning of how things really go downhill for people. It, it felt like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it kind of opened that window a little bit. And I was like, man, and I, I think I, there, I think this play was done in LA like a couple of years ago, maybe before the pandemic, maybe 2019. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, I, I didn't watch it or anything, but I'm like, I was curious to know like what the reaction would have was like for people who watched mm. it in LA specifically. So, um, yeah, in terms of like the themes, like about what it means to own a home, <laughs> I guess, in the most broader sense, like that's what this play made me think about more yeah. deeply. Yeah. But um, well, and what it means to be yeah. a cop too. There's so much in this yeah. play about like. Yeah, 
what it does to you, what it does to a person, particularly to a black man to be a mm-hmm. cop for, I think it's like 30 years. Yeah. Um, and that also feels very timely. Mm-hmm. So oh, I have listeners. one last question. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I have one last question before we move on to glistens, but I was going to say, what did this place smell like <laughs> to you? Um... Uh, what's that? What are they eating? Ringdings? I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> I don't know what like, that is. I don't know, it's like some kind of like snack food. Mm. Um. Yeah. What did it smell like to you? Um. Like bourbon vanilla. Ooh. Very like sickly sweet, but like you know, kind of toxic. Like a sweet smell. Smell. Well, it like, doesn't it say something? Sweet. I'm looking at the beginning now. There's something in the beginning about um, them drinking a lot, or like in the opening. Oh yeah, in the opening stage directions, uh, the place retains its dignity and charm. This is about the apartment and the comforting aroma of decades of pot roasts and chicken dinners. So that too. Yeah. I like love how this play, decades yeah. Decades of pot roasts. Really kept, the play was already started with sound, like smells. Like, I love it. <laughs> Starting with smells. Um, cool. All right. So listeners, let us know what you thought of this play. Yes, please. And shall we move on to glistens? Yes. <laughs> so um, I could go first. Okay. My glisten this week is my brain. Um, my brain is broken. <laughs> no, it's not. But um, it's not broken. But you know, it was just like okay. So I hate to mention this again, but my wedding. Um, <laughs> but I remember the day of. Remember you were like saying to me like, "Oh, you're gonna have so much brain free space," you know, mm-hmm. after this wedding is over. Like, aren't you excited for that? I'm like, "Oh, you so much you could think and do." I was like. Which was so true. Like, as soon as the wedding was over, I felt like, wow, my mind is so open, free. But then immediately it was filled up with, like, oh, all these, like, deadlines that I had to do. And and I was just, like, writing nonstop all week long. And now I feel brain dead. So, But, like, your brain did what you needed it to do all week. It sounds like you were successful in doing all that writing, right? Yeah, but I can't trust what I wrote. Like, I think they're really bad. <laughs> so, but yeah, my brain, and it was just kind of, it's, it's like so interesting, my experience, my brain feeling so open and free, and all of a sudden it's like busy and hectic and crazy, and I'm like, wow, Saturday, today we're recording, and my brain is feeling just slow and dull. Mm. And Well, I just think also that's just like pandemic. the lingering effects of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah totally. All right. That's why people Sam. go on a honeymoon, Sarah, so they don't have to think. Ah. <laughs> How are we going to do that? To their wedding. <laughs> All right. Um, my lesson is that um, it is my birthday Woo! tomorrow. For people who are listening to this on Monday, the 12th, my birthday is on the 13th. Wow. Turning 34. Um. Recently, I was reading like an old journal that I wrote when I was like 20, and I was like, 
I'm turning 21 soon. That is very old. <laughs> I feel like every year I'm like, oh, now I'm really old. Uh, 34. If anyone out there listening to this is 34, tell me what your experience was like turning 34. I would love to know. Um, My dad's coming to visit, which is really nice. <laughs> Do you okay? So, question at this moment in your life, um, mm -hmm. how are you physically? Like, <laughs> you any aches? You mean pains? am I declining? <laughs> Just um, curious to know because as soon as I turn thirty, as, okay, your knees are hurting. Well, <laughs> is it are they? Like, is that what you want to know? I'm just curious because as soon as I turn thirty, I've all had all this like pain <laughs> came out of nowhere. Just physical pain. Yeah, physical pain. Like, mm. um back pains, shoulder pains, just like random things that came out of nowhere, more grays, like <laughs> pain. Um, maybe you should go to a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, all I right. feel like I'm pretty healthy. Okay. But I'll let yeah. you know. Okay. Keep me posted. Okay. <laughs> all right, listeners. Thanks for listening. Um, as always, like, subscribe, do what you got to do. Uh, talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beckett's Babies. If you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. And if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater or maybe be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckettsbabies.com. That's www.beckettsbabies.com and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.